0: with Dr. Frank Turek. Where can you go to find excellent dialogue between believers and unbelievers? There is no better place, in my view, to go than a show that originates in the UK called Unbelievable. And the host of that show, and he's been the host for 15 years now, is Justin Briarly. And Justin's been on this program before when he came out with his book called Unbelievable, and here's the full title, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian by Justin Brierley. And Justin joins us for the entire program today. Justin, how are
1: you? I'm really well, thank you, Frank. And thank you so much for having me back on. And it's high time I got you back on my own show as well. It's been at least a few years since you were on the show. But yeah, it's it's wonderful to join you by the, the wonders of technology today.
0: Well, Justin, the programs that you do every week, and I try and listen to as many as possible, are, I think, the best place to go anywhere to get real good dialogue and discussion between believers and unbelievers, even between Christians who have different viewpoints on certain issues. You even do that as well. Uh, just give a little background to our, our listeners and mm. viewers Uh, how this came to be. How did this program come to be? I mean, you've been doing this for 15 years. You're a relatively young man. Are you even 40 yet? You're probably not even 40, are you? How old are you?
1: (laughs) I'm afraid I have crossed that threshold. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm 41 already, but I actually began the show, uh, I guess I would have been in my early 20s, -hmm. mid-20s maybe, um, because I'd started in broadcasting. I was um, hosting a breakfast show at the time, on a Christian radio station here in the UK, the same one that I'm on today, Premier Christian Radio. But I had this idea for w- what if we kind of did something different, and we burst the bubble a bit, a little bit, and we actually brought non-Christians onto a show where we actually do dialogues and discussions and debates, kind of in a way, just thinking of the Christian audience listening, thinking, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be helpful maybe to actually have that kind of a dialogue and, and hear what a fruitful conversation might sound like? Because at the end of the day, certainly, in the uk we live in a largely secular society and while you can go to church and have your christian friends most of the time you're going to be rubbing shoulders with people who don't share your beliefs and i felt that a show like unbelievable where we could bring both sides together for dialogue and debate could be helpful what i didn't anticipate This was kind of just before kind of podcasting was getting going, was that within a couple of years, we'd have launched a podcast of the show as well as the radio show. And that would start to attract lots of non-Christians listening as well. So we ended up with this very large non-Christian audience who started tracking with all the non-Christian guests we were bringing on, especially if they were well known, you'd suddenly have, you know. Maybe a, a well-known atheist would post it to their blog because they'd been on the show. And suddenly I was getting all these non-Christians and Christians listening to the podcast as well. So we were pretty early adopters on that front. And the show has just grown really organically since then. So we get, you know, millions of downloads a year on the podcast. More recently, we've started doing a lot on YouTube as well in the last few years and, and putting posting a lot of our shows there as well um and that's that's partly been because we've um we we've been doing some special editions of the show for the last few years called the big conversation where yes. we bring some of the biggest minds in Christianity and atheism and, mm-hmm. and other positions together um to debate some of the biggest questions so we we started that off with Jordan Peterson who I'm sure you're very familiar with mm-hmm. um in conversation with uh, an atheist psychologist Susan Blackmore um And those kinds of you know high level conversations, it's been wonderful to be able to to host those and to see the way that that's really grown the audience for for unbelievable, especially through the youtube channel as well so so yeah we're 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 excited about the way, how things have developed over the last fifteen years, and we every week I get new people who have just picked the podcast up, you know, and that's so exciting when new new people are listening and starting to delve into the back catalog of of shows.
0: So, friends, wherever you listen to podcasts, just uh, go to that, that app, wherever you listen to them, and type in the word unbelievable with a question mark, and you will find Justin Brierley's show. Now, Justin, you also have another podcast that you do with N.T. Wright, which is sort of sort of a QA and a podcast where you're asking the great theologian a number of questions. Tell us about that and where people can hear that.
1: Yeah, um, I I have such a privilege of sitting down with N.T. Wright, who's one of the world-renowned Bible scholars, really. And uh, because I got to know him through The Unbelievable Show um, a few years ago, I said, what what, what about if we did a regular sit-down together? And so we take questions from listeners and i just fire them at him on every podcast and he very graciously answers and you get to know him a little bit and uh, he's just a wonderfully sort of open interesting character himself so it's called the ask nt write anything podcast and it's basically just a nerd fest if you're a you know theology (laughs) fan and you want to know kind of all of the ins and outs of you know paul and you know the the letters he wrote he's one of the world's leading authorities on that kind of thing anything really about uh, uh, New Testament, early Christianity, plus you know he'll share his thoughts on all kinds of you know cultural issues, social issues, um, you know whatever um, that that people send questions in. So that's that's been a real joy to to be able to do that.
0: And, well. and sometimes even brings his guitar.
1: And yes and, and he'll sing a song yeah, yeah. or two for you. <laughs> I know he's 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 a big fan of, you know, the kind of 60s Bob Dylan stuff. Right. Um he'll he'll pull out pull out a guitar occasionally and play a few. And he's made up some of his own, you know. He's he he did one with Francis Collins of you know uh-huh. the, the famous geneticist um where they kind of did their own version of a Beatles song and that kind of thing. So he's multi-talented, very very jealous of of NT right yeah.
0: Yeah, he he sings Bob Dylan without the irritation, <laughs> right? So you uh, he can you can you can check him out he, he, on the Ask Anti Write Anything podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, he hasn't got so. the accordion to go with it, though. You know that's then- the only bit he's lacking when it comes when it comes to the Bob Dylan impression. But yeah, yeah, you you can we usually if he does a song, we tack it on as a kind of a bonus uh, at the end of an episode. Yeah. Uh
0: huh. Now, Justin, you, you've now been doing this for 15 years. Your book came out four years ago. And again, the book is called Unbelievable. Uh, what has changed in the past five years or four years since you wrote? I know you probably wrote, started writing it five years ago. Has anything changed in terms of your beliefs? I mean, you've you've moderated discussions and debates with Christians and atheists for 15 years now. Has anything changed in the last five years since you wrote the book? Have you, had, have your beliefs changed at all? Have you been moved at all by any atheist or non-Christian arguments?
1: I mean, if anything, I'd, I'd say that, that that I only feel more conviction in a sense for, okay. for how intellectually robust the positions mm-hmm. are. You know, I've never – what what I sketched out, you know, there's certain things I might tweak slightly and things I might adjust or update, you know, if I were writing it again now four or five years later. But, but fundamentally, you know, the, the core arguments for God that I – put down in that book i i I just feel you know have stood the test of time and will continue to um it it, it's you know one of the things i talk about in the book is the fact that uh human existence is very hard to explain on an atheistic worldview but Mm -hmm. it makes sense in the theistic worldview um Mm -hmm. so just the fact of how the universe came into being the fact that life exists in the universe i don't see that any of those if you like scientific and philosophical arguments have in any way um, been countered in the last five years. If anything, the evidence is only more in favour of those. But but those kind of evergreen issues of of why we believe what we do about the value of human life and dignity and and where does this moral realm come from? You know, again, I've I've yet to hear a satisfactory atheist understanding of of how those things could be. Um, uh, and I'm always open to it. You know, I want to hear if if there is a really great response or alternative viewpoint. But again, I, I haven't heard one, and I host shows frequently where i'm i'm looking for that and hosting those kinds of opinions and likewise you know when it comes to the evidence for christianity which i also develop in the book um the evidence for the resurrection i i just i i actually see if anything um there's been a a shift in culture um in the last few years since i wrote the book to actually people being somewhat more open i think interestingly to to that kind of evidence um because when i wrote the book it was still we were still in the heyday of the new atheism in many ways but actually the right. conversation has been changing and maybe we could talk about that in the next break
0: sure let's do that you're listening to i don't have enough faith to be an atheist with frank Turk on the american family radio network my guest today is justin brierly and if you haven't heard of justin you need to you definitely have to listen to his podcast it's called unbelievable wherever you get plot podcasts look it up and we'll be back in two minutes much more with justin brierly don't go anywhere If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. You're not going to hear this on NPR. Uh, you're listening to I Don't, Have Enough, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. My guest today is Justin Brierley. Justin, all the way from the UK, but the podcast is very popular, as it should be, here in the United States. Uh, the podcast is called Unbelievable, and what Justin does is he has dialogues— with Christians, atheists, Christians, Muslims, Christians of different persuasions about very important issues of the day. So you need to look into his podcast and also check out his book called Unbelievable as well. He the the actual the full title is why after 10 years, now 15 years talking with atheists, I'm still a Christian is that unbelievable? Justin, as we were talking before the break, you've heard some of the best arguments for atheism out there. In your view, if there is an argument or the best argument you might say for atheism, what do you think it would be?
1: That's uh, a great question. Um, I, I guess it is the, the classic argument, which is the argument from evil, from suffering. You know, That's mm-hmm. the one that mm-hmm. people most often run up against. and I think in some ways it's the, the hardest to answer as, as an emotional argument question because yes that's not just an intellectual issue you're dealing with there so so in the book you know i gave a chapter to that you know hardly enough for such a huge question but but at least an attempt to get to grips with why people ask the question where it's coming from and what some of the possible answers may be but in my my opinion that still remains you know one of the the toughest questions that an atheist can ask now it's not to say there aren't good answers but it's often about the way that we answer the question that's significant because inevitably we can give a kind of philosophical abstract kind of answer to to a question but if what the person is really dealing with is an emotional issue at the core of it then then it's more of a pastoral response that's inevitably needed for for someone who's going through that having said that you know there there are other toughies you know there are many questions that uh, i still you know deal with struggle with you know that are still somewhat of a mystery to me um I mean probably the one that crops up quite frequently in in one form or another on the show uh is to do with the hiddenness of God um you know why mm-hmm. if there is a god why doesn't god just reveal himself in a way that makes it obvious to to me or to everyone um and and in a way you know when you see someone who is g- appears at least to be genuinely searching genuinely saying I'm open to this I want this to be true I've asked god to reveal himself to me but nothing's happened Um, that, that can, you know, that can be tough. It can be like, okay, why, why isn't that person having some kind of experience of, of uh, God having, you know, and, and those are sort of the difficult questions, because again, it's not just a a philosophical um, question. It's an experiential question. It's why Mm, mm. aren't I having the same experience that other people are claiming to be having? I I feel Mm. like I'm just as open. So, so that's those, those are kind of sometimes the hard questions to answer. Um, again, I think there are, there are answers to to why God would not necessarily make it perfectly obvious, you know, it, uh, you know, write his write himself in the stars mm-hmm. or something for everyone mm-hmm. to see. Um, but I think I think it those are those are the kind of tough tough kind of questions that you sometimes have to grapple with when when you're having those kinds of conversations with skeptics.
0: Well, let's marinate for just a minute on that hiddenness question because. We talk a lot about the evil question. We don't often talk a lot about the hiddenness question because I think that's a valid question to ask. You know, if we're saying this God exists, why doesn't he make his existence more obvious to everyone? Uh, so how would you go about answering that, Justin what would be your your top two or three points yeah. on that on that question?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first place I might go is is just to say may- maybe God's not actually that interested in people simply believing in him um mm-hmm. and that may seem an odd thing to say because everyone assumes well well surely the the point of it is you know making people believe in God, but actually mm-hmm. that's not the point <laughs> you know the the demons believe and tremble, says James right. um belief itself isn't what God's interested in it's actually trusting in him mm-hmm. it's it's following him it's loving him that's that's what God really wants from people, and the process for that may not look like simply give me the evidence I need and I'll believe, okay? In a sense, the problem very often with with skeptics and atheists that I meet is that it's kind of, okay, I'll believe in God, but on my terms, okay? Once I've had this level of evidence presented to mm-hmm. me, then God is worthy of of my belief, my ascent, intellectual ascent, if you like. But again, God God might not be that interested in in sort of just meeting your particular criteria of, um, because God may have other purposes. God, it may be that God wants people to search, wants people to not simply believe because it's been laid out on a platter for them, but but go on a journey, go on some kind of way of understanding and grappling with Him. So I've seen many people who have gone through quite a uh, you know full on intellectual journey, um, who have gone through a lot of experiences until they get to the point where actually they understand something of God. They they have some revelation. They have some. they, they are able to put their trust in God but very often it's 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 very rarely just an intellectual journey it's it's something that actually helps them to realize that they need god that that it's not mm. just that god is some intellectual option and if i choose to believe i will it's actually um the process is about actually coming to love and trust and ultimately serve god with their lives and f- so so it's it's more complex than simply give me the evidence i need and mm. i'll believe it's actually mm. about well what would what's god actually doing why would god maybe not be simply making himself abundantly perfectly obvious to you it might be because god is asking you to do something slightly different in chasing after him trusting him you know and you know in, in that sense i think all of us you know whether or not we think we have sort of a, a kind of one to one relationship with god we we're, we're all actually asked to trust in god in a way that doesn't look like just the way i can interact with my wife or someone else because actually i believe god has a purpose behind that that there's something about going on that journey of trust with god that is different to some of our other relationships or the you know just the fact that we can intellectually assent to you know one plus one equals two sure Mm -hmm. it does and it's great that you've got the evidence for that does it make any difference to your life maybe not and and in a sense this is the biggest question, and there may be good reasons God has for why he wants us to go on a different kind of journey to to finding him and trusting him.
0: You know, it's quite interesting, too, when you do look at some of the events in both the Old and the New Testaments, when the Israelites and, say, the chief priests had overt evidence that God existed. I mean, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and the chief priests immediately want to kill him. You know, it's it's... It's not so much an intellectual assent. They had that, but they rejected Christ anyway. And I'm wondering, uh, I I recall, I mean, you've had Lawrence Krauss on your show and remember Lawrence Krauss in one of his interactions with William Lane Craig said, oh, you know, if God would write his name in the stars, then I'd at least think about it, right? Right. Um, but I wonder if God did write his name in the stars, like he writes it in DNA, you know, he puts this genetic code in all of us that seems to be the product of intelligence. If he would really go from intellectual ascent, as you say, Justin, from, well, I know demons or demons know that God exists too, but they don't trust him. I wonder if he would take the next step toward actually trusting in Christ and rather than just believing that he exists, but trusting in him, uh, I I see I see too much resistance. It's not so much about God's existence. It seems to be more about our resistance to
1: God. And I don't know if you've yeah. seen that in some yeah. of your guests. Have you seen I, that? I, I definitely do. I, I definitely mm-hmm. do see that in some guests. I mean, the the classic example would be a show I did a, a couple of years ago where I had Hugh Ross, who I'm sure you know, um, uh-huh. great scientist, physicist, um, and a Christian. Yeah. Um, opposite Peter Atkins, who is oh, yes. a well-known atheist scientist from Oxford University, uh, and and at the more kind of irascible end of the spectrum, if you like, he's um, <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's very pugnacious and is, dismissive. Yes. Um, uh-huh. uh, but but I we got to a point in the conversation where you know Hugh had presented a certain amount of evidence for why he believes there is good evidence from the universe that that there's a god behind it, and and you know. Peter was just batting it all off, saying, no, no, lazy thinking, bad evidence. And I eventually said, look, is what kind of evidence could convince you? And I, I used almost that very same example you just mentioned. You know, if if you saw the stars line up and it said, Peter, I'm here. It's me. Believe in me. Would that be enough? And he said, well, could be advanced alien technology. Um, and I was like, OK, Uh if God, you know, if Jesus appeared to you right here in this room, told you to believe in him, I'd assume I was just having some kind of a, a delusion in my brain. Um, you know, and, and so the point is, Peter Atkins at that point is so wedded to his naturalism, to his atheistic perspective. Right. That there's, there's It appears there's no sort of evidence whatsoever that could persuade him otherwise. So at that point, it's not more evidence that person needs. Uh, because all of the evidence will be filtered through a naturalistic perspective. It's it's a something else has to happen. I don't know what it is. It might be, who knows? But but something else has to happen to Peter Atkins at that point to change his perspective to, so that he could even be open, I think, to to evidence. Now, that's obviously the extreme end of the spectrum that I'm talking right. about there. But I think you do see that kind of attitude sometimes when you see someone who just says, if God would just meet this level of of evidence, then I might give it a thought. Well, again, God might not be that interested in simply meeting your particular burden of proof or whatever. God might be more interested in you changing your whole perspective, your mind, the Uh way you engage, you know, God, God in the first place. So, so yeah, that, that, that I do see that kind of attitude quite often though. I want
0: to talk more about this and particularly naturalism, but we just got a minute or so before the break. Uh, I want to point out to our audience, and you can help us with this, Justin, that in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a conference that's going to be virtual. So it's, it's going to be in the UK, but people here in the U.S. can actually be a part of it. Tell us about that conference and who's going to be there. What's going to be said?
1: Well, I'm really looking forward to this. It's it's all online, so you can participate from anywhere in the world. It's unbelievable, the conference 2021. And our theme is how to tell the greatest story ever told. Um, We've mentioned him already in the show, but N.T. Wright is going to be one of our uh, guest speakers. He'll be talking about how we make the message relevant to today's generation, especially in this sort of post-COVID world that we're now entering. He's going to be alongside another great contributor, Tom Holland. Uh, If you haven't heard of him, he's uh, a British historian, but he published the most extraordinary book recently, Dominion. Uh, And as a secular historian, he has kind of laid the case for why all of our values in Western culture really derive from the Christian revolution. And he's gone on a really interesting journey himself from being a secular historian to really taking Christianity seriously. So he's, he's going to be part of the conversation on the day. We've got Sean and Josh McDowell joining us. Claire Williams from here in the UK, who runs a wonderful youth apologetics ministry. It's going to be hosted by myself and my colleague, Ruth Jackson. Uh, And you can join from anywhere in the world, Saturday, the 15th of May. And the place, as I say, to register is unbelievable.live. I'm also really excited, if I can have one more moment, about Mm -hmm. a curtain raiser to this whole thing, where I'm getting NT Wright to sit down with a very popular social commentator, Douglas Murray, for a live stream of big conversation, just two days ahead of that. So it's just going to be a really exciting few days.
0: All right, we're gonna tell you more about that right after the break. And we're also gonna highlight the fatal flaw with naturalism and materialism. And it's one of the fatal flaws that C.S. Lewis discovered that helped bring Justin to the faith. We're, we're gonna be back in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. I'm Frank Turk. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to be an Atheist. I'm Frank Turk. My guest today is Justin Brierley. Uh, of the amazing program called Unbelievable. There's also a book that goes with it called Unbelievable by Justin Brierley. Justin hails from the UK, uh, not far outside of London. And uh, we were just talking before the break about this great conference coming up on May 15th with N.T. Wright, with Josh and Sean McDowell, with Justin, with several other speakers that you can actually be a part of right from the comfort of your own laptop computer or desktop computer, because it's all going to be aired live. Uh, it's going to be live stream. Justin, give give us the website for that again. If people want to sign up for that, How, yeah. where do they go? Yeah.
1: It's yeah. It's unbelievable.live. And um, we've even got a kind of pay what you want option this year. So we want to make this accessible for anyone. We've got kind of like the premium ticket where you get, Lots of stuff bundled in. But if you just want to come uh, at whatever price suits you, uh, you can do that and uh, you can follow along. And yeah, it's wonderful to see how many people are booking in from across the US and, and all over the world, actually, for this year's conference. So even though we're not in person, it'll be our biggest ever conference just because of the numbers that we can now have joining us live stream from from all over the world. So unbelievable.live is the place for that as i mentioned just before the break um this we've got this kind of curtain raiser conversation between nt wright and douglas murray now i don't know if you've come across douglas murray before mm-hmm. frank but yes he's have, a, yeah. a british journalist yeah he's a british journalist mm-hmm. here in the uk he's associate editor of the spectator he wrote a very influential book recently called the madness of crowds which is yes. kind of critiquing identity politics and that kind of thing and what's interesting about Douglas is I've had him on the show before and he describes himself as a Christian atheist. OK, so he's he's not a believer. He kind of lost his faith, what faith he had kind of in his late teens, early 20s. Um, and he became very much sort of a friend of the new atheist, the Richard Dawkins. He, you know, went out for lunch regularly with Christopher Hitchens. Um but it's so interesting. He's gone on an interesting journey himself, which you can kind of read about as you read his articles and things, where he he sees the way that secularism isn't offering the answers uh, for this age and the way that a kind of narrative gap has been left in the wake of you know Christianity. So where people used to understand meaning and purpose from the story that Christianity gave them in their lives and, and the way that it shaped the whole of our culture We're now left with this kind of postmodern crisis of meaning, really, because supposedly we're all supposed to make up our own meaning and find our own identity. And and the problem is no one knows what to do anymore. And so it'll be really interesting having this conversation with Douglas Murray and N.T. Wright, because um, I think uh, Douglas Murray is on a very interesting journey where he really wants Christianity to be true. And I think he's got some intellectual uh, objections and some, some issues around the reliability of the scriptures. Uh, but he sees the force. He sees the beauty of it. Um, and and I think he's part of a, a growing movement, actually, where the kind of the new atheist approach of religion is evil and the sooner we're shot of it, the better. That's kind of gone out of favor somewhat. Mm. I think people have realized mm. that simply getting rid of God does not answer the problems of society. People still need something. because. Frankly, they just make religions out of other things, like right. politics or yes. social issues. Notice that. You know, mm-hmm. we we are naturally religious people. Mm-hmm. The question is, what religion are we following? Mm-hmm. Um and and in that sense, um I, I I'm fascinated to see what how this conversation will pan out and and whether it might even impact Douglas's own journey as he as he seeks to, you know. Ask himself that big question about about what it's all about, you
0: know. The other interesting thing about Douglas, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Justin, I don't follow him that closely, but doesn't he self-identify as a homosexual?
1: Does he? Yeah, yeah. So he is gay, and um, yeah. he, and that's the interesting thing is is even you know, as someone who is same-sex attracted, he has he has kind of interestingly been on the side in 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 a way of many christians and conservative christians mm. in his criticism actually of certain aspects of the lgbt movement because i think yes. even though he you know would identify as gay himself he he has a, a big concern actually over um for instance the transgender movement and things like that where he sees uh in a way the kind of the ideology and the uh, as almost being as fundamentalist as any you know christian would be if you like And, and so he's an interesting bedfellow in that sense, if you'll forgive the pun, um, because (laughs) that he's one among a number of people, I think, who are coming from the secular world, who wouldn't claim to particularly, to have any particular Christian dimension to their life, but nevertheless are, are worried alongside plenty of Christians about the direction culture is going in. And I think in his case, quite interestingly open to whether christianity might actually have answers to it as well um i i mean i mentioned earlier this this other um public thinker tom holland who again has come from a sort of secular background but in the course of just looking at history and asking do my secular and atheist friends and humanist friends have the answers he's decided no they don't all they're doing is parroting what they've been handed by their judeo-christian past you know the fact we believe in the dignity of individuals, equality, human rights, none of that is a given on an atheistic framework. He's recognised that. He sees how completely that is a product of our Judeo-Christian past. And so for him and, and many others, I think there's this interle- interesting intellectual journey they're going on where they're saying, you know, it's, it's no accident that we believe these things about humanity because the Christian revolution we're all children of it, whether we call ourselves Christians or not, mm, mm. and and I think there's just a fascinating conversation to be had there, of people waking up to the fact that it, you can't just dispense with Christianity. You know, no. it some you know the new atheists claimed we could, but what we've discovered is everyone just gets into a huge row <laughs> because no one can agree what to do once you've got rid of God, and and I think there's an amazing opportunity here for the Christian Church to step up with some answers again. And show people yes. that what what they're looking for is Jesus, ultimately.
0: Yeah, and they are they are stealing a standard from God when they say they have certain rights. Um, they they're trying to say on one hand that there is no God and we're just collections of atoms and molecules with no purpose. Yet on the other hand, they're claiming they have, say, a right to same sex marriage, or they have a right to abortion, or they have a right to. Um, government, healthcare, whatever it is, if you're going to claim you have a right, you've got to have a standard by which you can judge where that right comes from. And without God, there is no such standard. And you point that out. You point that out in your book, Unbelievable. And Justin, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, how do you first of all, how do you keep yourself composed to be the moderator when uh, people are offering standards implicitly in what they're saying yet they're atheists you know an atheist will say well there's too much evil in the world and of course in order to know there's evil you have to know there's good and in order to know there's good there has to be a standard outside yourself which would be god how do you just sit by and just let that go (laughs) as the moderator
1: (laughs) i i mean to be honest this is the one area where if you do hear me actually breaking in on a conversation and giving my own opinion i'll i will frequently do that because i i personally I love the moral argument because mm-hmm. I think it's it, it, so so much depends on it. you know the fact that people can talk about so passionately justice and equality and everything and yet mm-hmm. claim that no such actual standard exists outside of their own preferences just mm-hmm. seems to me completely contradictory so i've I've always felt that's a really important thing to point out to people and ask how are you even justifying all this talk of justice and equality and And truth and so on uh, if you really do hold to an atheistic worldview so so yeah i sometimes overstep the mark if i'm honest sometimes in the debates where I'll, (laughs) i'll kind of grill the atheist a bit on that if i feel that they're kind of making claims that they can't support but you know in the end inevitably you can't you could make every conversation boil down to that sometimes you just have to sort of move it into the area that they're that they want to talk about you know well why is there so much evil in the world if there is a good god you kind of have to make the assumption well what if there were a god would there be a reason to allow it but but for me it is it is a key one you know and i think um you know the 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 penny dropped i think maybe when i first read the god delusion and you know for pages and pages and pages dawkins sort of you know claims that all of these arguments for god are terrible there's no evidence for god and he finishes it by this rallying call to everyone reading let's make a fairer just society somewhere where we Mm -hmm. can all live in peace And, and i'm like you can't say all that. You can't right. make all these <laughs> metaphysical claims about uh-huh. how reality should be when you've just claimed that there is no ultimate metaphysical foundation to any of reality. So, so I see it all the time, and it, it is frustrating. But, um, you know, you can only remind people ev- every so often about it. Um, and yeah, uh, that that's just the way it is. Very often in life, isn't it? Well,
0: let me let me ask you this because in your book, Unbelievable, I'm I'm looking at here page seventy seven. You talk about how the penny dropped for you when C.S. Lewis pointed out that even our ability to think is compromised if we're just molecules in motion, if there's no metaphysical reality, if there is no ultimate mind, if we're just a collection of molecules, we're just moist robots, I like to say, then why should we even trust anything we think? Yet atheists come to these debates that you host, that you moderate, Justin, and they're claiming they have evidence For X, Y, or Z, whether it's a multiverse, whether it's macroevolution, whether it's a quantum vacuum that can bring forth the universe, whatever it is, why do they why should they be able to trust their thinking? And have you ever heard an atheist explain why they should be able to trust their thinking if they're if we're just molecules in motion?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is one of the the key arguments that I think often don't get understood properly and and in a sense um because it's kind of a meta argument it's about okay you're making all these claims but can you even justify the fact that you can make claims that you mm-hmm. can do logic that you can mm-hmm. you know do right. the act of reasoning and i and i think many many skeptics and atheists have just never thought about that they've never they've always just assumed they've they've made a huge assumption that well of course you know the arguments i make are valid and the thoughts i think are true um but when you actually dig down into that, that's that's the, this is the genius of, of what Lewis did in his book, Miracles, which I, I recently reread and was just stunned all over again by how uh, relevant it was mm-hmm. 50, 60 years after it was written to, to what's going on today again. That's right. But he simply pointed out the fact that if you believe that ultimately your mind can be boiled down to a set of physical interactions between chemicals, atoms, electrical processes or whatever... Well, there's nothing true or false about that. It's it's a rational, if you like. Um, and the point is, it gives you no grounding for believing that the thoughts you are then having are, in fact, reasonable, that they are true in the sense. There's something else that goes on in order to make to, to be able to warrant that kind of assumption about your thinking. Um, and it really can only be grounded if there is a God, if you like, who who grounds the idea of reason itself um and it's gone on to be developed by others as you'll know like alvin planting and others who have applied Mm -hmm. it to the the idea of evolution itself and whether you can actually trust your own brain if if it's actually been developed for an evolutionary purpose of reproduction rather than truth seeking it's a fascinating area it's a big one though and that's why i think Mm -hmm. it doesn't get 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 tackled very often we're talking to justin
0: brierly his fabulous program is called unbelievable you need to listen to it you also need to on may 15th sign up for the unbelievable conference and we have another segment with justin in just a minute i'm frank turk don't go anywhere if you would like to improve your ability to not only present the truth of christianity but also answer questions you need to join us for our 14th annual CIA, the Cross Examine Instructor Academy, it'll be myself, Greg Kokel, Sean McDowell, Jay Warner Wallace, Elisa Childers, Richard Howe, Brett Kunkel. Who am I leaving out? Na- Natasha Crane. We've got a bunch of folks who are going to help you improve your ability to present and answer questions. It's at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, August 12th to 14th this year. But you need to sign up soon. We only take about 60 people because not only will we present to you, you will present to us. And so we can only take a very small group of people through the cross examine Instructor Academy. So go to our website, crossexamine.org, click on events, you'll see it there, uh, the cross examine Instructor Academy. Now, if you really want to dive into the evidence, you ought to really enroll at Southern Evangelical Seminary. That's where I went, ses.edu. Check out all their programs there. And if you also want to get something very up to date, you want to be a part of the unbelievable conference, May 15th. It's run by my guest, Justin Brierley. The website again for that, Justin, is... Unbelievable.live is where you need to go for that. Unbelievable.live, NT Wright, Justin Brierley, Sean and Josh McDowell, uh, several others. You're going to want to be a part of that conference as well. Now, Justin... Uh, you've done so many great programs over the past 15 years, it would probably be difficult to to zero in on your your top three or four favorites. But let me just ask you, if somebody wanted to really learn the differences or how a Christian and a Muslim might uh, discuss their individual face, is there one show you'd point them to that they could, you know, from from the beginning go to? And I want to hear this show between a Muslim and a Christian.
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's hard to choose between them as you say. But, yeah, but I mean, on Islam, one one we did actually quite recently though it wasn't specifically with a Muslim; it was actually two Christians debating different perspectives on it. But but we did a show on do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? Good, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that was great. It was it, Andy Bannister has written a book by that title, and and Andy's a wonderful apologist here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had him in conversation with actually Archbishop Josiah Idowu from Nigeria. And they just take different positions on that question. Andy says, ultimately, they don't worship the same God mm-hmm. because the conception of God in Islam is so very different. Yes. Um, Josiah says, even though he takes a very, you know, he obviously is a Christian, he still believes ultimately Christians and Muslims are worshipping the same God. Um, and so I thought that that conversation, though, really helped to elucidate some of the key differences between Islam and mm-hmm. Christianity. Um, so So that might be a good starting place for someone who's interested in that kind of how about discussion and if you go but yeah go ahead sorry
0: no i was going to say how how many you've had so many shows with atheists and christians is there one or two that stick out to you that somebody who went to the unbelievable uh website or the unbelievable app could say hey i want to listen to that one what would you send them
1: yeah i mean um there's, there's so many to choose from but one one of my favorite recently on the show was the start of our latest big conversation series um and it it was it aired around Easter and it's bishop robert Barron, who you might be familiar with he's um uh, he's a christian thinker yes. catholic yeah. bishop mm-hmm. yeah out in los angeles and um i had him on with um well someone that you came on my show mm-hmm. uh, for a few years ago um alex o'connor who's a very well known now youtube skeptic and atheist but they just had a really good um mm-hmm. and and very kind of gracious conversation between the two of them on on atheism and christianity and and i thought both sides did a really good job actually of representing each side so that's a great balanced conversation they covered some of the key issues around philosophical arguments for god we talked about the problem of suffering which is another key issue so so that would be a great one to go for and and the big conversation dot show is a good place to access that where we've got the the video for that but you know yeah. one of my favorites was actually uh-huh. out in california frank it was out uh-huh. um when we did our last big conversation Um, live show in 2019 and I had John Lennox and Dave Rubin sitting down with me on the stage Uh, and that was that was one of those ones which I'll always remember because it wasn't so much an intellectual fist fight as sometimes these conversations are it was actually Dave Rubin who's as you probably know a a well-known talk show host on YouTube um, and kind of comes from a kind of secular Jewish kind of background um, and has been great friends with lots of the new atheists Sam Harris and so on but has undergone quite a significant change, the kind of change I was talking about earlier, where he, he said on that, you know, in that conversation with John Lennox, I don't call myself an atheist anymore. Mm-hmm. Because he's come to realize he that just doesn't fulfill him. It doesn't make sense of him. And again, it was just one of those wonderful conversations where there was a real opening, a meeting of minds and hearts. And you just got the sense that Dave Rubin is going on on a journey. And John Lennox was just able in the way he does with that winsome mm-hmm. kind of grandfatherly almost approach to, but with all the intellectual side of it as well to to just draw that out and so that's one of my favorite conversations I've I've ever done for sure. I always
0: tell John Lennox that if everyone was like John Lennox, the world would be completely Christianized by now because <laughs> you can't not it's love so true. you can't not love
1: John Lennox. I mean. Exactly. You you just want him to be your dad or your granddad, don't you? I mean, everyone wants a John Lennox for their uncle or something. Someone
0: reviewed the debate he had with Richard Dawkins this way. Uh, He said, watching John Lennox debate Richard Dawkins was like watching Santa Claus debate the devil. You just, can't, you just can't not <laughs> like John Lennox. He was amazing. Uh, going going back to the, yeah, the talk really you did great. have between Richard, I mean, Robert Barron and uh, Alex O'Connor, I listened to that one. And that was one of the ones I was, I was going, if I was Justin, I don't know how I could restrain myself by saying, Alex, you're having all these moral complaints. By what standard are you, <laughs> are you judging this you know these these problems with pain and suffering and evil uh, and uh that was a very interesting conversation but you show such grace and restraint i don't know how you do it justin because uh
1: well well i guess i guess i've learned over the years to to try and you know kind of keep myself out of the debate if i can as i said mm-hmm. i don't always manage it uh and, and and in a way trying to let the guests that i've brought on to to do the debating um and, and you know, it's always going to be different. Everyone comes with a different perspective, a different way of yes. approaching the issues. And and frankly, you know, not all the Christians who come on make the arguments in the way that I would prefer to make them. But that's OK, because right. this is a very long running series. You know, we've been doing this for 15 mm-hmm. years. And, and for me, it's about the long game. And it's it's not about whether in one individual episode, you know, the Christian one or the atheist one. Mm-hmm. What I find is that as skeptics especially listen to the show over a course of years, they will be they will at the very least be um, subjected to the fact that Christianity has this strong intellectual tradition. And they'll hear that from a variety of different perspectives. And I think a lot of them end up being pleasantly surprised, even if they're not won over by one episode, that they they are nevertheless surprised at the, if you like, the, the legs that Christianity has, and that it's not all stuff and nonsense and fairy tales as they were led to believe. And of course they will hear, you know, cogent, robust responses as well. But my hope is that in the course of hearing that, they they will simply discover that Christianity can stand on its own two legs intellectually. Um, and and for me, that's that's kind of the long term ambition of the show is to just mm. get people thinking, get people to take Christianity seriously again. Mm. And I mean that for both the Christians and non Christians who listen to the show. It's not it's not just about winning a specific debate. It's it's kind of the journey that some of those listeners have gone on over the course of over a decade following the show. You know.
0: What's on the horizon for you and Unbelievable? It, are there new uh, directions you're going in? I know you started the big conversation, which of course is a is a new direction. Are, do you have any other thoughts or a, a, a different vision for the future? What are you looking at right now, Justin?
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, the world has changed hugely mm-hmm. um, in the last year, and I kind of the fact we're doing the conference all online this year is just one one way in which I think suddenly the world has opened up digitally and people have been forced to kind of go digital now that's not to say we won't do in-person events of course we will but i think from now on we're, we're going to try and make things as global as possible in the way mm-hmm. we present things like that uh equally you know we're all aware of the tragedy that has happened in in our zim and the implosion of yes that ministry effectively um in the last year or so and it's awakened me to the fact that um that that as tragic as that is it has left a a sad gap in the provision of apologetics um training you know and resourcing to to many christians and churches and and we're hoping that in some way we might be able to to help with that um unbelievable does what it does you know we have other shows like the nt right show and and so on but we're hoping to actually develop something a little bit more comprehensive from here in the uk um that will help with apologetics and with training generally that's uh, very much in the formative stages. So I've got not got a lot to tell you about that, Frank. But all I will say is that we, we want to make that a collaborative effort. We want to um, bring in the best established people who are doing apologetics and give them the platform. We want to use people who are up and coming, you know, and, and talking to different areas and to youth and to different cultures. Um, so we've got hopes that we can do something significant and and try to, you know, just do what we, want, we believe we're being called to do, which is to make Christ known. And to show that we can use you know, our heart, our soul, and our mind in the process of doing that.
0: Well, you're definitely doing that. And if you're just tuning in, friends, uh, the program is called Unbelievable. It is available anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, and Justin Brierley, my guest today, is the host of the program. He has people on the program that you might not be aware of, but are thought leaders, both in the Christian world, the atheistic world. The Muslim world, uh, across the board, and uh, it's a program that goes back almost 15 years now. You, if you if you get their app, uh, Justin, I assume you could probably go back 10 years and listen to some of these shows, can't you? I mean, there, oh, yeah. many of these yeah. shows are evergreen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, yeah, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's you, the that's the joy of it. I get people mm-hmm. emailing me about shows that I I did ten years ago. You know, um, right? Because essentially, you know, if you, if you get subscribed on the podcast, you can go back years and years, really, uh, on the show by the app uh, on the YouTube channel as well. These days, um, there there is one more project I should have told you about as well, actually, Frank, which is uh, another book which I'm working on at the moment, and um, and so I'm I'm looking forward to that hopefully being released in 2022. Um, but it's very much a, along the lines of that conversation we were talking about earlier, um, which is that, you know, h- how has the conversation moved on from the new atheism? And mm. just looking at the influence of some of these significant new intellectual thinkers and, and how the church can respond to that.
0: Well, great. When that comes out, we're definitely have you back on, Justin. My guest has been Justin Brierley. Again, unbelievable the podcast and also unbelievable the conference. May 15th. Sign up for that Online, and you can be a part of it. It's been great being with you. Thanks, Justin. Uh, and I'll see you guys here, Lord willing, next week. God bless.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.